0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Viewers Cut. I have a guest with me today, and he, this is the first time he's joining me solo. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to Mr. Jake Eagle. How are you doing today, Jake?
1: The audience goes nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, Adam. How are you?
0: Good, thanks. Uh, we got a new uh, style of episode here. Uh, we decided that we want to focus just on one movie that uh, is very special to us. It's a movie we saw together in the theater, and for all of you, you know, listening right now, you saw the episode title. It is The Place Beyond the Pines. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way right now. We're talking full spoilers, so anyone that has not seen this movie, don't listen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um so this movie is uh we saw it together now we're gonna walk through our experience seeing the movie together because i think it's a really nice story and then we're gonna just dive into it we got a lot of things we want to talk about we both recently watched the movie when did you watch it
1: eagle i just watched it over the course of the last couple days but i think i've seen it probably six times now um yeah i think the first time we watched it was it in thunder bay
0: okay so that's where we'll dive right into it right now because the people need they need context of our experience with this movie so little context jake chris and i have a bad track record of 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 movies that we go to see in the theater uh this list includes gangster squad escape plan uh die hard five i forget whatever the title was of it a good day to die hard but we saw this movie, which stands out like like a sore thumb. Like, it, like it, we, we, we all loved it. Uh, so this movie was released um, in 2013 to the general audience, but it was actually released, uh, its premiere was at TIFF in 2012, and I could kick myself for not going to see it, because I totally would have went and saw it at TIFF. And we got to see it in the spring, I believe, of 2013. You and Chris uh, came down to London. We went to the Westmount Theatre here in London, and we saw it. We were bo- all three of us were very excited to see it, and uh, we were blown away by it. And then we loved it so much that we went to Thunder Bay a couple weeks later for uh, to. It was kind of like a reunion for uh, for the the alumni there. And we took a couple more people to go see it because we loved it. And uh, and yeah, do you what do you remember from the uh, seeing in the theater, Eagle?
1: Yeah, the first thing I remember from seeing in the theater was that. I think you were a little bit overwhelmed (laughs) by the storyline. I remember myself being like, what? Like, there's a a lot of twists in it. And um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the trailer. But the trailer doesn't really make you realize anything that's going to happen in the movie, unlike a lot of spoilers that happen these days. Um, So when you go there and you start watching it, and you're watching, you know, Ryan Gosling's character unfold, and then a sudden tragic event happens. You are just shocked, and then pretty much the rest of the movie you're in shell shock. So I do remember that from the first experience, and then even the second experience, getting to enjoy it a little bit differently. But I think that time was about seeing the reaction of the other people that were with me, and waiting for them to have that same sort of feeling of like, whoa, this is nuts.
0: Yeah, like so. I believe my quote to you was uh, in in the in the third act when we're we're introduced to the the two kids. <laughs> I literally, I asked you if it was, it was the guy from Chronicle. Like I, I my, I, I, I can't put myself in the exact headspace, but when Ryan, again, I said, spoil at the beginning. When Ryan Gosling died, it was so shocking. I, I, I don't even remember the first 10 minutes of like the Bradley Cooper storyline. Cause again, it, the story goes to him at that point. And I remember being like, oh, he's coming back. Like I'm a huge Ryan Gosling fan. I'm like, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And he never does. Like, they didn't do any stupid, cliche Hollywood thing where he would flashback or whatever. I'm like, no, he was gone. And never in a movie have I experienced loss like this because most times your 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 main character dies at the end or they die and you see them again at the end or, or maybe they come back in some fashion or whatever. This guy that you fall in love with within 45 minutes of this movie is gone and you feel that throughout the whole movie. Um, and then, yeah, we, so we saw it a second time and we got to live it again with, with other people. Now, what I want to ask you, Jake, is because I I like when, when you get to experience a movie a different way, the second time, the third time, the fourth, it's kind of like maybe like an inception where like the movie gets better as you watch it. This one falls into that category for me because the second time I saw it, I really invested in Bradley Cooper's storyline the second act. And then uh, the third time I watched it, I invested more in the third act. What do you remember from seeing the movie the first few times that you watched it?
1: Yeah. So I definitely remember that, and I still kind of feel this way, but that the three acts are super strong, obviously like it's a real easy point to remember where the three acts are starting and ending. But I do think that I appreciated the Ryan Gosling act more because I could actually relate to it a lot for me. It's like, I was in a really similar situation. I got a girl pregnant and had to um, basically figure out how to be a a dad right away when I was like 21 years old and, you know, I was just like, couldn't care less about anything in the world before that point. So I had to put myself into the shoes of like being a caregiver. Now, I didn't decide to go rob banks or anything like that, but I went back to school and you know started taking life more seriously. So like I could super relate to that storyline. Um, but then also, like, after a few times of watching it, I could super relate to the second storyline as well with Avery Cross wanting to kind of fill the shoes of his father, even though it's, it's like he's pushing against it in one way, but he's at the same time um, trying to embrace it, like, kind of under the surface. So I think that those two I could definitely relate to. But the third act for me, and it's still to this day, like, doesn't really hit the same. Um, but I think it's for a whole different type of person that I haven't experienced. So it's really cool that it's defined by these different uh, acts. And there's a lot of, you know, it's a high, it's like a high beam balancing act um, where the writers wanted to make obviously each each story completely different from each other. And I just remember being blown away by that. And like you said, it's kind of like Inception or like Shutter Island or something like that, where there's this big twist. And it's not a huge like head you know, heady twist. It's just like, Oh, Oh, this doesn't normally happen in movies <laughs> the way that this plot is going. So I think just that it must be kind of like the way when, when people watch Pulp Fiction for the first time where the stories are going all these different ways. And it's like, I've never seen a movie like this before in my life. So that's kind of the experience I came away with.
0: Yeah. So uh, again, I don't have the personal experience that you do, but what I can speak on is, and I, my uh, wife can attest to this as well because she, she's attempted to watch the movie a few times. The Ryan Gosling portion is so strong, and you fall in love. Like I, I, again, I can't speak for everyone, but I fell in love with this character. And there's just beautiful moments throughout it. I, I, again, I just watched it yesterday as well. Like when he finds out about the baby, and uh, the the nanny asks if he wants to hold him, he wipes his hands like he feels like he's dirty or like he needs to be perfect and pristine like it's these little nuanced moments that are so beautiful when he cries at the back of the uh the church when they when he goes to the baptist uh to the baptism and he's just like and and i said this to jamie when we were watching it like most movies would cut away and all that derek France choose or chose to stay right on a close-up of ryan gosling for like a minute of him just reacting. All you hear in the background is like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and like the baby crying, the people laugh, and like, it's a beautiful moment for everyone but him. The movie is is beautiful, and like, I don't, I was almost mad <laughs> the first time watching it, and I didn't care about Bradley Cooper. And then you see it a second time, like that that storyline is just as strong and Bradley Cooper's performance is just as good. Like, I'll agree, the third act definitely is, of the three, the weakest, but that by no means it makes it bad. I think the depiction of high schoolers and a high school party and, and kids at high school is so good. It's so real. They just, they want drugs, they want a party, they they want to have fun, and then it gets super serious when, uh, when he finds out that, you know, that uh, his new friend is the son of the guy that killed his dad. Like, it's it's incredible. It's, it's woven so well. And Pulp Fiction is a good comparison because it's like the subject matter is not the same, but the, the story structure is, and it's what makes it unique and stand out. That's why I love it. And a lot of people like, well, you really like that movie so much. And I'm like, yeah, because it's unique. It stands out and it's, it's got a great filmmaker behind it. Um, I wanted to, you've seen blue Valentine, correct? Jake? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Derek France, just with his style of, of, of writing and directing. He, he loves characters and, and character development, all his stuff, uh, whether it's Blue Valentine, Light Between Oceans, or the TV show he just did with Mark Ruffalo. Um, uh, it's called, uh, I Know This Much Is True, Phenomenal Mark Ruffalo won, like I think, an Emmy and a Golden Globe. Um, talk a little bit, I want to know a little bit about your thoughts on, uh, on Derek Siafrance and his style of writing and directing. Cause he hasn't done much.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say that the style of writing, like you can see it here in place beyond the pines is unique and it's very dark. It's very down to earth. It's like very real, like the types of moments that you don't talk about, um, in humanity a lot. Like you see a lot, you, you peel the curtain back with his writing a lot. What's funny is after watching, every Scorsese movie I can really see now how much he takes from Scorsese in terms of there's like these dark characters who are fighting their inner demons. They want to be righteous. They want to be, you know, bigger than their surroundings, but a lot of the times they're being dragged down into the world that they're part of. Um, the actual filmmaking style is really cool. I love the shaky cam stuff. Like there's a lot of shaky cam, a lot of handheld, uh, If it's not actually handheld, it looks like it is. Right. Um, and everything is really intimate. Like the camera's always right there with everybody. It's, it's following the characters, like how you naturally would if you were with them, which again, I think is something that he took from a lot of early Scorsese films. Um, so I think Derek Cianfrance knocks it out of the park. I think that if he's doing an ode to like guys like Scorsese or um, you know guys from that era, then he's doing an amazing job and he's doing his own spin on it, which I love.
0: Yeah, I, di- I didn't even think about that. Uh, the the comparison to Mark- Martin Scorsese, I like. I think it's really noble when you. Like, you can, again, you want to take work as it comes, and a lot of directors do a lot of movies, but, like, this guy doesn't have a lot of stuff to his name, and I think it's it's disappointing because he is so talented and he chooses really good, strong material. Like, again, he has a hand in writing everything, whether he writes it by himself or he has... I think Placebound the Pines had a co-writer or two. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, he's phenomenal, and you, you talked about the the... The... the Nice touching moments. Uh, I, I mentioned one earlier, but they do this throughout the whole movie. And like one th- scene that sticks out for me, and I just wanted your thoughts on it because it's a weird frame. And I, I don't know if you remember. I should have maybe mentioned something before. After he robs the first bank, and then he goes to the the diner, the restaurant. He picks up Evan Mendez's character, and. It goes to them in his trailer in the bed. And it's just awkward, tight shot. Ryan Gosling's head gets cut off a little bit as they move. She's in focus. Then he goes in focus. Like, it's its not, like, I wouldn't say it's this beautiful, like, piece of cinematography. But it's so beautiful for this moment. And Evan Mendez eventually cries in the end because Luke, uh, Luke Glenn's pouring his heart out and saying, I want to do something with this kid. That's the first time he does it. So he remembers me. And, it, you know, it's just one shot, one take. They do it throughout the whole movie, and that, that's just one that stands out to me because th- this guy is pouring his heart out, and he, he's so, like, another good scene story, and I'll, I'll jump, I'll throw it over to you, uh, is when um, he meets, uh, and I can't pronounce his name, he's a two-time Oscar winner. Can you pronounce it? Maharshana Ali?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's Maharshala Ali.
0: Okay, thank you. I'm sorry for not being able to pronounce. But anyways, the first time they meet when they're going to the the church and they kind of have this bro off awkward moment where he just kind of stares him and looks, you know, looks him up and down and Ryan Gosling's like, "What? What? Like what are you looking at?" And this guy's rough exterior, like Ryan Gosling is full of tattoos, he's got blonde hair, he's got a shirt with holes in it. I think it might be inside out. He's got motorcycle pants on like This image of this person is so rough and you just want to walk away from this guy and that's literally what he does. He literally judges a book by his cover. He looks at this man, he says, you're no good. Get out of here. Don't do this today. And yet you cut to a scene later where this guy just wants to give his child ice cream. And, and then they have a beautiful moment after when he's giving them ice cream. like It's it's fantastic. Are there any moments in this movie that stand out to you? And again, we're talking a little bit of, of Ryan Gosling right now. We can kind of go to each act if you want, or we can bounce around whatever you want to do, Eagle. But uh, I just want to know if there's any scenes that really um, hit you.
1: Yeah, let me just give you a little bit of my act 1 cuz like we said this this movie's kind of broken down into three acts. So let me just give you some of my favorite act 1 moments. I mean, I think the first shot of the movie could be kind of a like short film in itself. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, Love one those of, abs. it's one of those perfect, like, you know, nerdy film school, one take type of uh, shots where they, you follow Ryan Gosling. And like in this one scene, you get to see pretty much his whole life. You get to see everything that this character is about. He's got the tattoos, you know, he's ripped, he's intense in nature. Um, this is the life he's chosen and you get to go see him go out to his, like his dirt bike stunt crew. And it's amazing, like, just from a technical standpoint, how they're able to pull him out of there and actually do the stunt all in the one shot. Um, But you get to see everything that you need to know, really, about his character in that moment. And honestly, at first, after watching Drive, his character gives off real, like, Drive vibes. You're like, oh, is he being typecast? You know, he's not saying much. He's just kind of staring at people and, like, he's being that kind of, like, solemn guy. But eventually, his character really grows quite a bit of a personality and... What I love is that there's a lot of modern Western twists in like the new kid in town trope at the the beginning of act one. The actors do a great job of speaking with body language as opposed to like just a whole bunch of dialogue. And what they do say when they actually talk to each other, they cut through the bullshit really quickly. And they get down to like how they're really feeling, which again is what I think of like pulling back the curtain of humanity and kind of our, our moments of truth. Um, even if it's in our darkest moments. So I think he does an awesome job with that. And uh, I think that his character also is kind of like stuck in this role that's been cut out for him. And we can go into it, but this whole movie is about like dads and sons, dads and sons, right? So Gosling wasn't able to see his dad. So when he sees that his son doesn't have a father and hasn't had a father for the first year of his life, He wants to do something about that to, you know, to change it. Um, I think that he, like Gosling's character does a great job of showing that. But where where I think that there's like a, a perfect tag team is Eva Mendes' character. I think when Ryan Gosling wants to do something good, he's showing it with his body language and the things that he's doing. When Eva Mendes, her acting brings out the emotion of the scene. Right. So like, for instance, when when he goes to the diner and he tells her that he's staying in town um, and she starts crying as he like he rides away. Like there's like those moments where Eva Mendez kind of like brings the audience's perspective into the scene a little bit. And like you mentioned with that scene where they're laying in the bed, he's just sitting there talking about why he wants to give his son ice cream. And he's just being a little bit silly about it. But she's crying because she understands the implications under the surface. So I think that she does an amazing job, and it's one of the best performances I've seen of her. Um, you know, when he, whenever he confronts her, like even the scene where he goes to give her the money and she doesn't want it in the car and stuff like that, like that's a crazy scene. And I'll skip a little bit to Act 2, but they, they straight up replicate that scene in Act 2, and it's so strong. And in the first act of this movie, the whole narrative is really... Um, one directional like it's it's you can it's all going in one way but i think that when act two and act three come along they do an amazing job of like reflecting the first act and calling back to it right um the music in the first act is amazing for as little as it's used but like for instance the scene when he meets robin and he goes out and, and realizes this is where he's gonna be living And he says, oh, it must be lonely out here. And then it, boom, cuts to him going down the road and there's that haunting piano track. Um, And then cut to act three. Again, they use the haunting piano track again as a callback to that scene. But obviously those are the best, some of the best moments and for me, the very best moments of the first act are the bank robbery scenes in terms of like just pure intensity. So why don't you talk a little bit about those scenes?
0: Well, first of all, that was beautiful. The stuff you said. And just before I continue, I, I just wanted to quickly ask because I thought of this. So the first time you saw this in the first few times, you were not a father and now you are a father and you obviously rewatched this movie just quickly. If you have an answer, go ahead. If you don't, that's fine how has the movie for you changed becoming a father? Like, is it the same? Is it different? I'm just kind of curious, because now you, he's got two kids, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say that the movie takes on a whole new perspective for me, Well, before I could relate to a little bit like not wanting to replicate some of the some of the things that happened as a child. Right. Like, obviously, we don't want to be exactly as our fathers were, especially if we feel like that wasn't like the best role, the best impact on us Um, versus now having kids. I understand more of like Luke Lanton's perspective of like, I want to give this kid everything I want to, you know, I want to basically make his world the best. And it doesn't matter what happens to me. Like when, when he calls before he's going to die and he's like, don't tell him about me. He's only doing that because he knows it's going to be best for the kid. So, you know, that's the type of thing that you realize when you become a father is like, those are so important, those moments. And I could definitely relate way more to Avery in act two, when he's so torn up about killing Luke because he's leaving behind a one-year-old and he's got his own one-year-old. So he's putting himself in that shoe you know when you when you're a father and you read stories about you know bad parents or you know things happening like it hits you way more than when you don't have a kid so i think that's a perfect example of it
0: yeah that was that was oh that was that was great um quickly well i'll, I'll wrap up act one then i want to talk a little bit of act two with you so act one yes bank robbery scenes are fantastic i don't know who if anyone has history of this but um, Ryan Gosling always wanted to rob a bank. Like he said, if he could achieve one thing, you know, it would be rob a bank and not get caught just like for the rush. And when they were meeting for blue Valentine, uh, it would have been in 2007 or eight. I don't know when it was, but, uh, Derek C. France asked Ryan Gosling about this and he told them all about, um, wanting to rob banks. And he said, well, I'm writing a script. I want you to be in it. And uh, and Ryan is like sure yeah let me know and then after the success of Blue Valentine, it happened like he got he brought him back and they did it so I think that it's kind of like a match made in heaven. But the robbery scenes are great. They're the the way they're shot is beautiful. His his performance is genuine. I love. Little nuance moments again, like I've mentioned before. Right after he robs the bank and his adrenaline is running, usually in like a macho action movie, you have like a Stallone or whatever. Like there it doesn't even phase them. They're good, whatever. Everything's fine. He can't even breathe in the back of the of the van. Like he's going like, uh, and he pukes. I'm like, that is so beautiful because that's what you would do. Every guy would be like, yeah, do it, whatever. Yeah, you go. It would it would consume you, and, like, that's literally, and then the obvious, uh, dancing in the dark comes on, which is great, then it cuts to now he's fine and dancing, I mean, so it was a good, a good cut there, but just moments like that, and then, um, even him robbing the bank, like, he's, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's flustered, he's, like, put your hands in the, and he's just kind of going, and then he just gets out, he's, and it's just very well executed, and, um, I'm trying, there was one other, oh, sorry, back to what you said before, um, body language, sorry, I made a note here, uh, the scene when they're in the diner, and she, he's telling him, telling her that he's gonna stay, and Eva Mendez is, uh, basically, I don't know what she says, but she's like, how are you gonna support us, or whatever, and Ryan Gosling beautifully re- replies, like, don't talk down to me, but he puts his head down, and it's like, a pretty long beat, like, it's 10 seconds, like, he was actually genuinely hurt by that, and he just, and and again, we stay on the shot of him, he's just keeping his head down, like, in most movies, it would just be a big blowout scene, they start yelling or screaming, whatever, like, a lot of writers would just write more dialogue, just to, uh, you know, express what he's thinking, but all Lou Glanton says is, don't talk down to me, and he just puts his head down, and it's just a, a, you know, a beat, a beat, and it's just, you're just kind of sitting in this moment with him, and the movie does it throughout so yeah I I totally agree I never even thought about it but body language plays a huge part in this just and again like when the argument with the the crib just shh shh and he's like, no get out of my house shh shh like it's so subtle like most people Luke Lanton would get in like no you don't tell me what to do all he does is say shush you're gonna wake the baby (laughs) like it's it's such it's such a beautiful scene do you have anything else you want to say about act one or do you want to jump to act two
1: yeah. Let me just quickly uh, jump on what you were talking about with that scene where he says, don't talk down to me. It's like, that's a perfect example of Gosling's character as a whole. Like he's, he's got this tough guy image. He's got all the tattoos, like you said, like he's ripped and all this stuff. But in his mind, he's still kind of a child. Right. And that's where he realizes he needs to man up and become a man to raise this kid. But he's torn between that place of like, wait, I've just been a child my whole life. Just going with the flow. Um and when a real like female mother character talks down to him a little bit, he's he goes back into like that child defensive mode. So I think that that's a perfect way of of expressing that. Last thing I'll say about Act One, about the robbery scenes, is like when he's escaping, your heart is pounding. Even after like the fifth time watching it, <laughs> it's like your heart is pounding. That's part of what Derek C. And Francis does such a great job of it. He like puts you right there in the moment, and. You even and it's like audience subversion too, because like even though he's being a total piece of shit robbing these banks, you want him to get away, right? Like that's the thing is like you you normally wouldn't cheer for a person like that in real life if you learned that someone was robbing all these banks, you wouldn't cheer for them. But the writing is so perfect that it gets you to, you know, appreciate this person and want him to get away with this uh, deed. So the last thing and then the very last thing I'll say about act one is like the connection of the two characters coming together is so perfect and like the scene of the chase through the the cemetery i mean that's one of the best chase scenes i've ever seen especially in modern cinema right where you can't use a bunch of stunt men crashing cars like blues brothers style but <laughs> like modern movie wise that's one of the best chase scenes i've seen and it's so intense um and again it leads to a moment that no one would have expected watching this the first time yeah so
0: that's a perfect segue good job eagle uh yeah the scene in the house is awesome i think bradley cooper plays a cop very well i like watching his little subtle like when with the gun and he goes around the house and he comes back get down get down is anyone in the like it seems pretty legit again i'm not a cop but for a movie it seems like it's pretty legit like he's following the book and then He seems like this by the book cop, and then obviously he gets up to the room. He he makes himself aware or whatever it's called around, whatever they have to do, and then he kicks down the door and he just shoots. (laughs) Like it's, it's like 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 he's scared. Like I don't really know. I haven't really dissected that, but like what does that say about him? He doesn't like not even a second in that room, and he just shoots. And Ryan Gosling obviously doesn't shoot him until after he's been hit and he's out the window, and he kind of just throws up a shot, and then. The whole moment happens. I remember sitting in the theater like, oh my god, hold on. And they do a great job. And again, you don't think of it the first time you watch it. But when Ryan Gosling first gets there and looks out the window, again, body language. He has a moment. He's looking out the window. He knows it's over. We don't see what's out the window. But now, obviously, when we know what happens, it's like, he's not getting out of there. There's no way out. He looks out the window and then he lets the people go. He's not a terrible person. He lets the innocent people go. And then he makes a call, like you mentioned earlier, to uh, to Eva Mendez's character, Romina, I believe her name is. And um, and then yeah, and then you're introduced to Bradley Cooper, which is beautiful. His first scene in the hospital, well, se- second scene technically, in the bed is great. He breaks down right away, and then you get introduced to his wife. And I love Rose Byrne. For all of you that listen, she was in my uh, top ten favorite actresses. I think she's so good in this. She can do anything but she plays a very good, like, you have this strong, uh, Luke, you know, Luke Glenn obviously is weak, but you have this, you know, he's strong, and uh, presents himself that way, obviously there's a lot, you know, deep down, and you have this very strong wife, she's very, 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 she likes to express her opinion, she likes to basically tell Bradley Cooper what to do, obviously there's scenes when the guys come over and she doesn't want him going out. Like, it's very obvious that there's something going on in this relationship. It's not quite right. And then you add in the whole storyline with Bradley Cooper's character that he's not a hero. And they do a good job in this. that He gets called a he- like a hero probably ten times in it, and it's con- continuous. And it's just throwing it in your face because he knows he's not. And um, one scene that always stands out to me is when he's meeting with the shrink, and he, on his own... Brings up well, it's not you know it's not easy having a, having a having a kid around, and she picks up on it right away. Well, why'd you say that? Why'd you say that? Is it because you feel bad about what you did to this other kid that's not going to have his father? And then Bradley Cooper's performance is so good; he doesn't even reply. He starts tearing up. It's, his eyes are all red, and he just nods his head. And it's like yes, because again, <laughs> you could easily just do yeah. That's you know what you're right. That's why I'm upset. Yeah, yeah, no. Just a beautiful moment, and you sit in it with him.
1: Um, I've said a lot. Go, Eagle. <laughs> no, and that's another perfect example of the body language thing, right? Like, it's it's characters. I mean, and they got the perfect actors for this. Like, this is like the A list of A list guys and girls who know how to speak without speaking, right? Um, but the thing I'll say that's amazing about the start of Act Two. Even though when you said the first time you watched it, you couldn't even focus, right? <laughs> because of what had happened. But what I think is, is brilliant is that they throw you into a whole new storyline that you have no idea what's going on. Um, there's already these deep-seated things happening in that storyline, and they have to kind of like slowly explain it to you by keep, and still keep the same pace that they tried to keep up in the first act. Um, so like when Avery's getting uh, grilled by the DA, you know, there's this real sense of underlying tension. And, like, as an audience member, you have no idea what is happening like, who this guy is, what relationship they have to each other. It slowly unfolds. And as you watch it, you know, a second and third time, it makes a lot more sense. But they do an awesome job. And similar to Luke, I think Avery is trying to rise above the dark personalities around him. And like you said, like he doesn't feel like a hero, even though everyone's calling him one. So really what his whole purpose in that act is to do is to actually become the hero that people are calling him, which ironically then makes him a piece of shit in the same people's eyes, right? It's like, it's like this conundrum that he's facing where it's like, no, to be a hero, I really have to get to the bottom of the sketchiness that's happening. And I think at this point in time, in 2013, when this movie came out, um, the you know we weren't talking about police corruption as much as we are now but this movie hit on that so early and it does a great job of showing like the underground of a small town and, and you know how everything's connected like when he wants to rat out his his coworkers for being total assholes um, his sergeant goes to them and tells them about it right it's like Every his hero image starts falling apart on him as he's actually doing the hero deeds. Right, which is I think is really cool What I love about act two really is the cinematography around Ray Liotta specifically Um, When you first meet Ray Liotta's character, he's like in the background, you know He's like he's at the door and it's like in the back of the view You can hardly even see him, but there's like something really ominous about his character And other times when you see him, like for instance, when he pulls over Avery, you just get this like shot of like just his chin hovering above the, the windshield. It's like the cinematography just around Ray Liotta, like makes him so creepy more than anything he says or does, which I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just phenomenal script writing to actually get us to the point where we care about Avery, even though he just killed this character that we care about. You know, we we basically take the feelings of resentment that we had towards him and then start building this, like, trust with him, which again gets broken in Act 3. But uh, I'll let you continue. What else do you, did you love about Act 2?
0: Yeah, again, to go back to my initial time watching it, like, it's, it's amazing that I really didn't take anything away, whether it was anger or confusion or longing for ryan gosling to return like this was this had to have been something that was discussed at some point in in the process of making this movie like it's ballsy doing that because you're taking away your main character like luke Glant is your protagonist up until his death and then you're shifting mid-story for us as a viewer and you're starting a whole new story and like i don't know if anyone was against it or fought him on i have no idea obviously he stood his ground if there was Um, rewatching it now, knowing the movie as much as I do, I still feel the movie take a hit, but it's more biased for me because I love Bradley Cooper, but I I love Ryan Gosling more in this role, but you said it before the casting was perfect. Bradley Cooper plays this so well. And this was before silver linings playbook, silver linings playbook came out before this movie, but he filmed this before. Silver Linings Playbook came out. And I remember watching an interview where Derek Seafront said like... I, he, he was kind of getting big. He did the first couple Hangover movies and like Wedding Crashers. But like he says like... No, no. Like I, I filmed my movie first. Like I knew how great he was before Silver Linings Playbook. Because that's obviously the movie that gave him a lot of buzz. But his subtle performance in this is great. And one scene that sticks out for me in the second act. That I really like. Is the scene with his dad in the pool. Where his dad manipulate him a little bit like he he says to him like I thought you know I didn't know I didn't want to talk about this I just thought the pool would be good for my for my leg and his dad I mean you have this scene where your father's giving you advice and it's talking you didn't get you didn't really get that in the first act you had you know absent father and like the effects it has on you and someone trying this is a father that's clearly in the life of his son and his son doesn't like everything he's saying and he's nervous and he's scared and uh, just a scene that stands out that I love uh, and then obviously when they replicate the scene, when he brings the money back, he's guilty. He gets the lion's share of it. I think it's like seven grand that he gets out of it when they steal the money back and like the corrupt cops and they mirror it again. And Eva Mendez's performance, I don't think we've talked about her enough And it. She's so good. She just says like, you fucked my life up. Like, even though he would have been in jail and it would have been a screwed up life anyway, she still is able to tell him, you She's able to look beyond that and say, you still fucked my kid's life up. Whether he would have been in jail for however long, I don't know. Like He's not going to have a father. It's just expressing how important it is to have a father in your life, to be present. And a mother, obviously, too. But in the context of this movie, just how much presence is. Just to be alive. Whether it is in jail or whether it's in a halfway house or whatever. How important it is to just be there. And she knew, I'm convinced... She knew what Luke Glanton was trying, even though he was—he went to jail—and she yelled at him the scene before when he hits uh, coffee in the head. She knew he was trying, and she probably had a glimmer of hope that he was going to continue to try and do whatever he could to be in his and her kids' life. And you see it in the stock footage of the news uh, when she's crying at the scene of the crime. It's not even a scene like it's not a full blown scene. It's just on the TV, but she's bawling and she's freaking out. Because she doesn't think about the criminal and what he did. It was this guy that was trying to do the right thing. And Bradley Cooper didn't do the right thing. Whether... I mean, you can say what you want about him shooting first. That's fine. But lying about it. And, you know, so you have this cop that's built up as this hero. But he's not. And you have Luke Glanton who got shot. Everyone can... I forget what they call him. The Moto Bandit or whatever. He's getting his name, you know run through the mud and Bradley Cooper is arguably in his own way, corrupt and, you know, lied. And now he's has to go on his own path to make things right, which eventually takes us to the third act. Now, before we jump into the third act, is there anything else you had to say about the second act?
1: No. And actually going back to act one, just really quickly, there's one, <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing I totally forgot, but it's like the scene after he hits Kofi, cause he just brought this up when he hits him with the wrench. And he takes his son, Jason, and and goes out to the front patio and just kind of holds him there for a minute. It's like that moment is so crushing because you know, especially going back and watching it a second time, you know that that's the moment he realizes like this isn't going to happen for him. The person that he wants to become, this dad that he wants to become is not going to work because he's got this like thing inside of him that just is a violent person, is like an angry person. And Hit whatever his fundamentals are, aren't going to work with the fundamentals of these people around him who are helping raise his son. Um, so, yeah, so that's the only thing I'll say about that scene. Uh, and this, you know, the second act, um, it, it makes you love Avery, which is funny because then as soon as you get to act three, it's like you're hit with another bag of bricks. You're like, wait, what happened to Avery? He's not the same guy with like this nervous energy, this, like, you know, trying to be a good guy, trying to be a good cop. It's like, no, he's now like, he's way too confident, maybe even cocky. You know, he's not the sympathetic character that we begrudgingly started to love after after he killed Luke Lanton. This is like a whole new person and then we're introduced to his kids and again, it's like, it could take you 10 minutes just to figure out what's going on in the third act. So yeah, um, I would say like for me, the third act is, I think it gives us the worst acting performance of um, and I, I hate to point someone out but <laughs> I think uh, Emery Cohen is AJ, Avery's son I don't think he's a great actor and I would say that's like the one down point or like you know low point of this movie is maybe his acting job I think it's just like he's such a caricature of himself of like that type of a character like, and I get the position that his character's in where he's like supposed to be this like street talking like suburbs kid but maybe I grew up around too many people like that it just doesn't sit with me um, but I think what mitigates his character is Dane DeHaan. And this is a thing that actually with both Dane DeHaan and uh, Marishella Ali, it's like I, when I watched that movie, I didn't know who, who either of them were, but I'm totally not surprised after watching it that they became like mega stars. <laughs> you know? Cause I think that Dane DeHaan as well is like amazing in this role. Amazing. So yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit more about what you think of act three
0: yeah i mean like i said before it's no surprise that uh I'm a harsh sorry i'm gonna keep butchering it can you say it one more time maritala yes it, it comes to no surprise to me that he has won two academy awards i think he's an awesome actor and i agree with you as well dane dehan as you we i told you earlier i was i was asking you in the first time <laughs> watch this movie is that the guy from chronicle because i liked him in chronicle he was great <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so one of my favorite scenes in the third act is the scene when they, when he takes him to, uh, get ice cream and it's a good, you know, uh, uh I don't even know what, uh, ironic or, or whatever, just a good mirror scene to that. They're sitting in the same spot where Ryan Gosling fed him ice cream and he asked, or he wanted uh, him to think about him when he's eating ice cream. And while they're eating ice cream, they're talking about him. So I thought that was, that was very beautiful. And, uh, but this is a good scene for coffee because you get a nice genuine moment from him where uh, as much as we love Lou Glanton, I mean, he literally says to him, like, he's just a guy that had a kid. Now, to be fair, that's not 100% accurate because she never told him when he was, uh, when she got pregnant, like she obviously just left. So that's not all on Lou Glanton. But anyways, back to coffee. He just says, no, he's just a guy that had a baby. I'm your father. And he also makes a Star Wars joke, which is great. But, um, he just says, "I'm your father," and then obviously it's alluded that he's the one that tells him uh, his um, the uh, he tells him the name of, of his father, Luke Lynn, because it cuts to the scene after him googling him. So obviously he does him a favor where he understands the importance of a father. He probably obviously has a father of his own, and he sees the vulnerable moment uh, 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 Dane DeHaan, how vulnerable he is in that scene. So obviously he tells him because he knows how important it is. Again, the 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 crushing theme of this movie is the importance of father, parenting, being in your uh, being in your your kid's life, the impact of the decisions you make, and how you know legacy and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And that's just a good little subtle scene, and I'm glad they gave that to Coffee because he doesn't have that many scenes in the movie. And um, in regards to the performances, Dane DeHaan is great. I don't not like um, Avery's kid as much. What would you say his name was? AJ right right i, I don't again I, I don't i think it's it's definitely the weakest performance of the movie of all the, of the all the main ones but i don't find it that but i think he's got some really good moments that stand out again. Uh, the, the performances by everyone else are so great that obviously it does stand out a little bit. But he does have some nice moments. And again, I think, like I said before, they both, especially him, they do they do convey a kid in high school pretty well that I do like the, when they cry or when they laugh, when they're having fun. They hit all the emotions. Like even when Avery comes into the interrogation room and, and uh, puts him against the wall and makes him cry and says, don't hang out with this kid. Like, I thought that was a good moment for sure. But I do agree with you. He does stand out. I just don't think it was as bad for me. Uh, Take it away, Jake. I want to hear some of your favorite scenes from Act 3.
1: I also agree. Like, one of my favorite scenes is the one between um – Kofi and Jason, like where they're bonding over the ice cream and stuff like that. Like, I love that You can see, like you can really feel like a genuine sense of like camaraderie that those two characters have, which makes me kind of sad when he leaves at the end. Um, but I think that Dane's character obviously makes a lot of sense as like the spawn of Gossing's character, but AJ is a total 180 from Avery, which I think is cool because at the end it all kind of comes back around. Uh, I think my favorite Part of act three is when Jason visits Robin and learns about the history of his dad, Um, gets to see the trailer that he's in, finds the sunglasses, all that stuff, like uh, tells him and then Robin tells him that the cops were mad at Luke, so they destroyed his bike. And you can just sense that like Robin is like, he just feels so bad about doing that. Um, And you can feel the regret in his voice, right? So and right after that, Jason puts on Luke's glasses, and Robin tells him that he looks just like his dad. And then that haunting piano theme plays again as he drives down the road. It's like okay, that's when the whole movie to me like comes 180, and it's just like it all is connected. Um, if you didn't get that from watching it the first time, like it totally connects at that point. Um, so then I think a lot of the stuff from Act 1 comes back in Act 3. Like, like I said, the music choi- choices, the western guitar that plays when Luke is on his bike also plays when Jason is on his bike. It's like an Enio Morricone soundtrack. Um, the intense robbery scene where he robs the oxy from the pharmacy is like almost a... It's, it's like a mini version of the bank robbery scenes. And same thing when uh, AJ beats the crap out of, a- uh, out of Jason it's like a mini version of when avery shot luke right it's like everything's like just a little condensed version of what happened in the acts before um but yeah i think those are my favorite parts i do like when a uh when jason finally confronts avery and he's like you know how where's my son and he just says, like, I'm, he finally breaks down. He goes, I'm sorry, Jason. Because all that guilt that you saw through Act 2 from Avery that built up. And then now that he's in, he's older, he's kind of hid it under a shell. But it all comes out in that scene. Pretty much, like, he goes back to the character that we knew in Act 2. And, like, how he would have acted seeing the son 15 years later. So I do love that part. That part. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, at the very end, I like that. Um, I like how all the dad stuff kind of comes together, right? Like Avery, um, Avery kind of grows up to become the attorney general that his dad wanted him to be. Um, unfortunately, Jason grows up to kind of become the drifter that his dad was. And AJ, even you can see he's going to start writing the ship a little bit and follow maybe a similar path as Avery instead of being this like shithead kid that he's become. So I do like the way that they all connect all the dad stuff at the very end, um, you know, and how we, it just gives the overall theme of how we try to compensate for who we are and who we want to be based on our fathers before us, or maybe the lack thereof.
0: Yeah, uh, quickly, just about uh, back to our, uh, the, the word of this episode, obviously, is body language. Uh, in the scene when uh, Bradley Cooper breaks down and finally says he's sorry, again, just, I, I, I know I keep beating a dead horse, but... A scene in some movies that could be huge and lot, and he just starts pouring his heart out. All he says is, "I'm sorry, Jason." And at this point in the movie, we all know what he's sorry for. We get it. We understand everything he's gone through, and it's beautiful. And he just keeps his head down. And then Jason leaves. And another great thing that I love is obviously he takes Avery's wallet. He's he's running away. He's going through. He's taking out the money. And Avery has the photo in his wallet of Luke and uh, Romina and and little Jason that they took out front of the convenience store or whatever. Or no, the the ice cream place. Um, another a beautiful moment. He's been carrying that in his wallet for fifteen years, and it's obviously a metaphor. He's been carrying all of this for fifteen years, and now he's free. All right, because I, I uh, Jason then mails it to um, to Romina. She gets in the mail. Another great. Subtle performance by Eva Mendez, realizing what her son's doing and she may never see him again. Now, uh, a good way to kind of wrap this up, too. I'm just kind of curious because you mentioned it. Obviously, um, it's pretty clear what's going on with Bradley Cooper and and his kid, uh, Avery and AJ. I kind of am hopeful for Jason. I don't think he's going to live the same life, Lou Glenn. I think he's got enough away from his experience in this movie that I do have some hope I think he's going to be a little bit of a drifter, obviously, and go on the road. He said, I think he said he's going out west, I think. Um, and I don't think. You know, I, I'm I'm optimistic, and I, I just want to, you know, just for fun, uh, if you've given any thought to where you think, you know, what the next five years or ten years of, of Jason's life would be, do you think he'd come back? Do you think he's gone forever? I'm just curious if you've given any thought. Because I, I love ambiguous endings. I love the last shot, driving up and just leave it to the audience, let them decide where he's going. Did, did you uh, have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, and like, like and again, Scorsese before him, where every movie ends kind of ambiguously. I like that too, right? Like where you you don't get this like just super happy, everyone's great ending. It's like, no, you know, life isn't like that. You know, some people are going to follow paths that are a little bit, you know, not what you would have wanted, not what you would have scripted for them. And if I had to guess on Jason, I think that he comes back eventually. Like he clearly loves his mom. I know he sent her the picture in the mail. And, you know, you can take that a couple ways. You can take that as like, F you, I finally found out who my dad is and you've been trying to keep him from me my whole life. Or you can take it as like, I understand, right? I understand that, um, what I came from was rough, but I do, I just want to kind of like live it out a little bit. I think he wants to step into his father's shoes. And I think that like, um, Luke Glenn before him, he's going to come to a point of realization where you can't just be this rough kid anymore um, maybe he's going to get someone pregnant again like this is like the you know again the, the theme of the movie is all everyone kind of replicating what their father did he'll probably get someone pregnant but he'll have the for, the fortunate um, life where he can go back to his parents and ask, ask for support including Kofi right so I think that eventually he would come back it's just he would have to almost like learn all the same lessons that Luke did Along the way.
0: Just to clarify too, it, it, it is Kofi, isn't it? I've been saying coffee this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Kofi. <laughs> I do apologize. Kofi. Um, yeah, and I think, I, I don't know if I'm putting too much thought into this, but you do have the moment in the movie where where Jason is about to have sex with a girl he just met at a party, and he doesn't. He le- Now again, obviously in the context of the scene, he's got a reason. He goes and eventually fights AJ, but is Derek Seafront's this amazing writer where he did that on purpose, where it's like he had this opportunity, a young boy in high school has an opportunity to, you know, get laid and he chooses not to, he leaves. Maybe that's not, I don't know. I just thought of that as you were saying that. And maybe that's something there. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think that, um, he's learned a lot. I, I, again, it's not clear, but I don't think Luke Glenn ever met his dad either. Um, Maybe he did, I don't know. But I think that Luke Glenn also never got anything from his dad. Maybe he learned nothing about him. Jason did. He took the time. He went and visited uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character, like you said. He's asking questions. He went and bought a motorcycle. So, I'm like I said, I'm optimistic. I think he goes on his own for a bit. He becomes a man. And he will definitely be active in his parents' life. He will never... You know not go see them again. I just think he needs some time because again Eva Mendez lies twice She has two big lies in this movie She doesn't tell Ryan Gosling initially that she had a baby for a year until and she never did because he finds out on his own She never did tell him and then she also never told him uh, told Jason about Luke and again uh, Jason had to find out on his own. Now, is what Mendez Mendez is what she did, is it noble? Again, I'm not a woman. I'm not a mother. I don't know. They have the, you know, they can make whatever decision they want. But at the end of the day, she did lie. But was it for the best or was it for the worst? We don't know. And I think she's going to sit with that for the rest of her life. Is, And again, this whole movie is about consequences and living with the decisions that you make. And she's right there as well. She's got to live with that. Did she screw up her kid? Or is her kid going to be better for this? We, we don't know. But... Life isn't perfect. Life just keeps going. It's fluid. You make mistakes. You learn from them. And hopefully Jason becomes a better version of his dad. You can only hope.
1: I agree. I agree. You can only hope that. And again, this is what Derek C. And Franz does so great with this movie and Blue Valentine for sure is like he shows you that life isn't always going to be perfect. And in fact, there's a mixture of like happiness and sadness all at once, almost like simultaneously. So I think that this movie does an amazing job of, of showcasing that, of showcasing that, you know, again, there's paths that you're going to go down that might not be the best. Maybe it'll work out for the best like it did for Avery or maybe it won't like it did for Luke, right? So, you know, you can, you can only do your best to try to rise above the surroundings that are around you and maybe try to break a cycle if there's been a negative cycle of generations in your family um and i think that's what this this story tells a great job of
0: yeah really uh, uh nature versus nurture is a is very relevant in this movie about this like you said about the the atmosphere that you grow up in what you have what you don't have everything has positive and negative effects. So I think we're in agreement with that. And again, you mentioned it. Blue Valentine. Light between oceans. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I would definitely recommend it's 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 the weaker of the of the big three. But again, great, great, great character piece. A lot of um, heartache and a lot of uh, pretty much the whole movie's heartache. Very, very tough subject matter, um, which I like about Derek. He's not afraid to tackle that kind of stuff. He does it as well in the Mark Ruffalo show. Uh, I know this much is true. He's not afraid to tell the dark stories and to fill them with a little bit of hope and a little bit of light and stuff like that. Um, To wrap this up, I, I, I think we basically both answered, I'm just curious, in regards to the three acts does it go one, two, three for you? Yeah, does it do the same Okay, I figured it. <laughs> same for you? Um, uh, Yeah, same for me, for sure. Luke Glenn's storyline is, again, it's beautiful because I love the movie that they gave us. I think it's perfect. I would have loved a full movie of just Luke Glenn. I would have loved a full movie of Avery. I may, maybe not loved a full movie of... Of the kids, but the first two acts, I would have taken a movie just full of that because I think they were were both very, very, very strong stories. And like I've admitted here, if you've only seen this movie one time and you didn't love it, give it a second watch just to see. Again, it's not for everyone, but it is a very well-made movie, well-performed. If you love Ryan Gosling, if you love Bradley Cooper, if you love Evan Mendes, if you love Ray Liotta, check it out. And uh, I thought about uh, how to end this, Jake, and I figured uh, the only way that we could end this is... If you ride like lightning,
1: you're going to crash like thunder.
0: Beautiful. He knew exactly what I was throwing down. That's great. Thank you very much for joining uh, this episode, Jake. And just for everyone listening, Jake has signed on for three episodes this season, maybe more. This is the first, uh, I think this would be the first. I'm not sure when it'll drop, but he has signed on for three episodes. So if this is the first time you hear him, you can uh, look forward to hearing from him at least two more times.
1: Get used to this voice.
0: (laughs) <laughs> thanks for joining me everyone listening please go watch place Bound the pines and uh, yeah we appreciate you uh listening and i hope everyone has a great day hey there remember that you can follow us on spotify apple podcast anchor and many other options you can also follow us on facebook and instagram as the viewer scott bye bye